Room Podcast. My name is Darian. I'm back for another week of horror, nonsense, bullshit, hot booby talk, blood, rape, revenge stuff, guts, and monsters, dead shit coming out of the ground, and pretty much anything that you could be looking for in a horror movie podcast, I've got for you right here. It's just me again this week, inmates. Apologies for that, but apparently my friends have abandoned me. <laughs> And I'm coming to terms with that. And uh, I guess you're just going to have to also. Um, Buddy, still traveling. Monica, Monica's mom's health is deteriorating. So that's kind of, that's, she's going to be away on sabbatical for the near, for the foreseeable future. Uh, Let's all wish her the best. Maybe Buddy next week. Who the hell knows? Maybe not. Maybe just me again. Either way, it doesn't matter because you're still going to get the goddamn show whether you like it or not. So there's that. Uh, I got horror news. I got listener mail. I got all kinds of fun stuff to talk about this week. It's uh, it's over, dude. Halloween's over. It's still fall, though, right? It's still fall season. You can still watch horror movies. I think that actually, if you ask me, November is actually creepier than October. Because October is supposed to be creepy. But it's not. You can still get away with shorts. And, uh, you know, for horror dorks like us, we love October. But November, that's when the bleak, gray, disgusting, just cold, miserable, don't even want to get out of bed in the morning. It's almost depressing now that I think about it. Now that I put it in those terms. Uh, so why? Why get out of bed? Why not stay home and watch horror movies and make it like a mini October just... Uh, not quite as much fun, is what I say. Keep watching them. You're going to anyway. Keep all the Halloween stuff up for as long as your uh, significant other and your neighborhood uh, HOA will let you get away with. And let's just keep the party rolling. That's what I say. All right, let's get into the usual shit show here, inmates. Let's start things off with some horror news, shall we? horror news yeah yeah uh what do we got here are you ready for studio 666 it's a horror comedy uh from the foo fighters and bj mcdonald i don't know what it's about i assume it has something to do with a haunted studio 
Uh, Dave Grohl is in it, so I don't. He's he's done a little acting here and there. He's he was in a couple episodes of that Tenacious D series. He's got uh, possibly some acting chops. It might be good. Uh, I don't think it's going to be American Satan caliber. I, I I don't think it's a musical. I hope it's not a musical. Horror musicals don't do it for me. Even when they're good, they're still fucking musicals. You know what I'm saying? So how scared can you be when there's choreographed dancing happening and things like that? Forget about it. Either way, um, something to look forward to if you're a Foo Fighters fan or you just like, uh, I don't know, weird horror musicals. Uh, Stranger Things Season 4 is going to premiere next summer, summer 2022. Um, I've seen some stills, man. I've seen some uh, some photography from the set. I got to tell you, those kids ain't kids anymore. And it's going to be pretty hard to sell me on them still being in the fourth or fifth grade in 1985. So I don't know if we're doing Stranger Things the college years or what's happening there. But that's got to be... I mean, I know you can like digitally de-age them like they did in It. But that was only one year that they took off. Uh, they're going to have to take off like puberty like the whole puberty thing is going to have to come off. I don't know how you do that uh, with a laptop computer. Apparently, it can be done. I don't know, man. It's uh, they're going to have to address it one way or the other because it's going to be weird. It's going to be really weird if they don't, man. When was last season of Stranger Things? What was that? Uh, 2017. So it's been almost five fucking years. And for those kids, those actors, those are like pivotal growing years. You know what I'm saying? So they're developing and they're growing. Well, you understand what I'm saying, but it's going to be weird is what I'm telling you. All right. Uh, Scream Factory is releasing Krampus the Naughty Cut 4K with tons of bonus features this December. Uh, So something occurred to me, and I guess this is a good thing and a bad thing, or I guess really it's just a good thing if you think about it, but... um, the, it used to be back in the day, you had like a, a Nightmare on Elm Street or a Friday the 13th and periodically a Night of the Living Dead. Periodically, they'd get these special edition releases, which were basically just cash grabs, right? Here's Night of the, here's Evil Dead in a Necronomicon uh, DVD case. See, look at that. It's got the, uh, the face on it and all that. Oh, I'll pay an extra 40 bucks for that, despite the fact that I already own a copy of Evil Dead. But now... Uh, ladies and gentlemen, pretty much every horror movie you could ever imagine has had a 4K special edition release, right? Uh, Krampus, it's great. I like it. I, I don't think I need all the bonus features. If it was a franchise and I were some kind of a completionist, I might go in on it, but it's not. It's just one one good movie. It's one movie. It's pretty good. I, I, I don't like Christmas horror is my thing. I, I'm, I'm thinking about doing it for December, because we've never done a Christmas horror month, um, it, it just doesn't. It, Santa Claus doesn't doesn't frighten me. I'm sorry. I know is he is he scary to anybody out there? I'd love to hear it if he is, and I'd like to I'd like to also know why. Uh, the Padded Room 2011 at hotmail.com seven seven five three eight seven zero two seven five. Tell me what you dig so much about Christmas horror. It's not my gig, but educate me, convert me. If I had to pick a favorite uh, Christmas horror film. It would probably be Silent Night, Bloody Night, not Silent Night, Deadly Night, which is they they often get confused. Uh, Silent Night, Bloody Night is actually um, public domain, and it's got one of the most kick-ass 
flashback sequences ever. But maybe we'll do that next month. I don't know. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Uh, but if you're that into Krampus, you probably already got two or three different collect- collector editions of it. Why not go ahead and throw another one on there for you? Throw away another 60 bucks. 60 bucks. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead and do it. I don't care. Do whatever you want. Uh, are you guys from? Are you guys 90s kids like me? You probably aren't. I know I'm a lot older than I should be. I grew up in the 90s, and that was the age of industrial rock. You know what I mean? You had your Gravity Kills. You had your um, Nine Inch Nails was a big thing. Rob Zombie was, or well, back then it was White Zombie, was just breaking loose. There was a band called Stabbing Westward. Maybe some of you guys uh, might recall. They had like two kick-ass albums, put out a third album, which was kind of morose and mopey and nobody really liked it, myself included, and then they, they disappeared for like 20 years. I saw them in concert once. They opened for Monster Magnet. Uh, they are finally putting out a new, uh, 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 what do you call it, album. It's called Chasing Ghosts, and it's going to be their first studio album in 20 years. So... I don't know. I hope it's not like that last one because that wasn't very good. Um, I think they broke up and now they're, they're back together. And I think they've been touring, like doing little clubs and stuff. And now they got a new album coming out. Uh, I'm into it. I hope I hope they don't do like Kid Rock, though, and try to turn into Willie Nelson. Because that's if they try to like jump genres, I'm not into that, man. Know your role. Know your lane. Stay in your lane. That's, that's my thing. What else? Five... Lastly, the second season of Shudder's Creep Show is going to hit Blu-ray uh, also this December with two extra bonus episodes. I'm pretty pumped for that. I didn't know that they were releasing those on Blu-ray at all. So I guess I need to track down that first season and get that on Blu-ray, yeah? I mean, they're both still on Shudder. You can watch them anytime you want. I would love to check out those two bonus episodes. That sounds like a good time. Um... I, yeah, I guess I gotta get on that. I've I've seen them. I've seen all the uh, you know the Christmas special and the Halloween special and the animated thing. They're good, man. They're actually pretty good. Some are better than others. Some of them have that Tales from the Crypt kind of hokey, uh, comedic, ironic twist to them. You know where uh, you know it's the same same thing in Creepshow where Leslie Nielsen gets buried up to his head in sand and he's screaming that he can hold his breath. It's kind of funny, right? But so they're not all terrifying. Anyway, uh, they're pretty good. I recommend checking it out on Shutter if you haven't already. If you dig it, go ahead and pick up them Blu-rays. That's what I'm going to do. That's all I got on the horror news, you motherfuckers. Let's do a little listener mail, shall we? Listener mail. Hey, yeah. I got uh, emails. I got voicemails. I got all kinds of fun stuff happening here. We got Terra Dome fights to vote on. Uh, let's see what's going on here. Uh, oh, excuse me. I didn't mean to burp in your ear. Um, let's see here. Let's kick things off. Um, the old, uh, let's get over to Tokyo, Japan. Here comes Kevin. Lonely Bob is in the house. Subject line 500. 500. Hey, Darian, congrats on 500 episodes, an impressive milestone of episodes. 
Thank you for all the horror entertainment. Well, thank you, Kevin, for listening. I know you've been kind of in and out over the years, but uh, Kevin has been with us for, uh, it's been 10 years now. Actually, I didn't even real. oh, shit. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> Halloween, uh, actually October 30th, which was what? Uh, not last episode, but the episode before. That would have been uh, my 10-year anniversary here in the padded room. 10 fucking years. I've been sitting in this room. Well, actually, I changed rooms. It used to be the other room down the hall. But I've been sitting behind this microphone for 10 years talking shit to you people about horror movies. God damn, man. I don't know if I should be uh, excited or depressed or what. (laughs) At this point, I cannot stop, Kevin. It's like it's in my DNA. And really, this is more like my own personal mental health hour. Because if I don't get this out of my system, I'm going to go to work and start blathering on about The Crow and Miss 45. And eventually, uh, there's going to be like a talk with an HR department or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, back to Kevin. Uh, congrats, uh, thank you for all the horror entertainment. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, in Creeper versus Freddy Krueger, definitely the vote goes to Freddy. Yeah, shit. I don't, I, I like the Creeper better, but we gotta, we gotta examine this matchup from a combat perspective. And when the Creeper sleeps as much as he does, man, he's, he's right in Freddy's wheelhouse. I would take the Creeper over a lot of different dudes in the Terror Dome and ladies, um, but that ah, Freddy's got his number is what I think. Uh, looking at Forest of Love in Japan, there's also a version of the film split into seven episodes. It seems like the movie version is these episodes combined together with loose editing. Not entirely sure though. Yeah, that's a tough one, Kev. I tried, dude. I tried to get into that movie like three or four times. Um, it is wacky, <laughs> and it is it is wacky, and it is two and a half hours long. And it's not a movie you can watch while you have people coming in and out of the room. It's spelled with the subtitles, too. That's a thing. Uh, you got to be on your game. And you got to be, like, paying attention and knowing. You probably need to know a little bit more than I do about Japanese culture to get into Forest of Love. All right. Uh, while The Crow may not be strictly horror, more of a drama with action elements, it has excellent dark and moody storyline and scenes. Look forward to hear. Looking forward to hear your coverage of the film next week. I got it for you in a few short minutes here, Kev. Uh, that's all for Kevin. Thanks, Lonely Bob. Uh, since we're already international, let's uh, jump back over to Europe. Here comes the horror slut herself. Cat is in the house. Subject line: Big Five Hundred. Evening, gent, and possibly others. First off, huge congratulations on 500 episodes. Great job, and here's to 500 more. To answer your question about work, you did did guess right. I'm a nurse. I knew it. Nobody works as many double shifts as Kat unless they're either a nurse or a police officer. It had to be one of those two. Well, thank you uh, very much for your service, Kat. Um, you're 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 on the front lines and uh that's a thankless profession dude i know that um so thank you for you know keep keeping keeping the good people of london uh up and running i guess is what i'm trying to say i don't know what i'm trying to say but thanks cat for that uh nurse and with everything going on we've been short staffed much like everyone else for terra dome freddy all the way i don't see how the creeper could hurt him educate you are beach house fucking shit yep you're right, Cat. I am Beach House. 
I had a feeling. I had a feeling that I was going to make that too easy. All right. Yeah, you got me. Uh, for you are Beach House. I thought it was a good movie, but would have liked more of a Lovecraft aspect. I hope everyone has a wonderful week. I'm going to try to catch up on a few movies on my night off and relax. Cat. Uh, very cool, Cat. Thanks for writing in. Yeah, you got me. I was the fucking Beach House. I think that was too new of a movie. Everybody saw it because it just came out, of, what, two years ago? Something like that. Uh, right on, Cat. Thank you for writing in. Uh, now let's dip it back down to Australia. Here comes Tim from the Horror for Dummies crew. I know you're listening to them also, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna preach to the to the choir and tell you to listen to Horror for Dummies because I know you already are, and if you're not, well, you already are, so I'm not gonna worry about it. Uh, subject line: Wings matter. Greetings and salutations, my good friends. Hope we are all well this week. I'm gonna take take a guess and say it's another solo show. So hi, Darian. Hey, Tim. You guessed correctly. <laughs> If someone did manage to join you this week, then a big hello to Buddy or Monica or Deacon or Daphne or Jason or hell, maybe Dale or multiple Mike has joined. Either way, I hope you all are well. Nope, it's uh, just me and the potted plant that sits in the corner of the room. But I did water the plant uh, earlier today, uh, Tim, so it's doing well. And I'm sure if it could talk, it would thank you for your well well wishes. Okay, Darian, I'm guessing you are the beach house. Yep, god damn it, that's two. I, I made that too easy. It was too new of a movie. All right. I'm, I'm going to dig deep this week, you sons of bitches. You're not getting me this time. On Terra Dome, this is hard, and Darian, you're 100% right. The Creeper does sleep a lot, which means this matchup is an easy win for Kruger, but the Creeper does have wings, so I'm taking the Creeper. That's it for me this week. I'll catch you next week. Stay stunning, guys. Thanks, Tim. He is still mad. He's still mad at me. I can feel it. Tim, I can feel it in this email. You and Tom Hardy are harboring resentment towards me because of the Creeper beating Jason Voorhees based strictly on my Wings argument, which made perfect sense, by the way. And I feel like this uh, anger is undue, my friends. (laughs) All right, so I'm giving you the Creeper then, you fucking asshole, since uh, that's how you want to be. Go ahead, get mad, I don't care. Uh, I'm going to be the first person I pissed off in my life. Um, let's get to parts unknown, because I'm not sure where this guy is exactly, but here comes Freddy. Subject line, still listening. Hey folks, congrats, huge congrats on 500 episodes. Great job, dude. I do keep forgetting to write in, but I am still enjoying the show. Of course, my Terradome vote should be obvious. Gotta go for my man, Freddy. Hope everyone is doing great and has a great week. Cheers, Freddy. Yeah, I had a feeling Freddy was going to blow this one out, and it looks like that's pretty much what's happening. Thanks for writing in, Freddy, uh, wherever you may be, my friend. Uh, now let's bring it right back here to Reno, Nevada. Here comes the cowboy. Subject line, happy 500, hell yeah. Evening padded room, hope everyone is doing well and made it in tonight. Huge fucking congrats, bud, on hitting 500. Great job, and here's to 500 more episodes. You're all awesome. Thank you very much, Cowboy. Uh, Glad you're enjoying the show. I thought about doing something for the 500th episode, like bringing everybody in or doing some kind of a Skype thing or, um, I don't know, uh, maybe doing like a greatest like highlight reel of the padded room, like some of our favorite moments. Um, But really, 500 ain't shit. (laughs) 
really it's it's not it is not uh it's good for like a dude in his guest room like me but i feel like if i recognize it as a milestone then that means that there's going to be an end point and there is i'm telling you right now there's not going to be an end point until uh i keel over dead or uh my wife uh basically tells me i'm not allowed to do this anymore which is a very real possibility. But I appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much for the the congratulations on the 500. It ain't shit. It's a it's a it's a drop in the bucket and I've got easily another 500 5000 episodes in me as long as uh, I don't have a stroke or anything. I should be good to go on that. Teradome, got to go with Freddy as much as I like the creeper as a monster. Freddy isn't physical and the creeper does sleep for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's about how it goes down there, cowboy. Educate, you're the beach house. I like this movie, though I would have liked more Lovecraft a- aspects, and I feel like you did this one for Educate before. I might have, man. I might have. I have to pull these right out of the top of my head because I don't know why, but I'm still thinking Monica is going to show up and do her job, um, but she never does. So I d- very rarely do I prepare for the Educate segment. Uh, you mentioned zombie paintball. I haven't had a chance to do it yet, but I really want to, and I would be aiming for nut shots myself. I would love to get my gear ready and get a chance to play paintball in general. I haven't played in years, but it's a blast. Don't have much tonight. Work is still killing me. Hope everyone has a great week and catch you on the flip. Cowboy. Thanks for writing in, cowboy. You, sir, are the man, but you already knew that. I got some voicemails here to get into, kids. Are you ready for that? I don't know. I don't know if I am. How about we get things cracking down in the dirty south with our main man from Alabama? It is the penny dreadful of people that call into the podcast. It's Alan. Bad room. What's up? What's up, Alan? God, it's like your show. Hopefully, I got this in. You did. Paradome. Uh, Give me Freddy. You got it. Uh, I hope everybody's doing good. I don't know who Mr. Darian is. Beach House. Um, I do think The Crow is appropriate for a horror show. I agree. Anyway, love that movie. Y'all have a good one. Bye. Me too. We'll get more into that in a second, Alan. Here's something. I uh, it it's such a well. I'll, I'm going to get into that when I when I when I do the movie. But if you look at The Crow as a franchise, um, is there a, is there a steeper decline? When you have you, you have the Crow, which is a great movie, and then you go Crow City of Angels, which is not a good movie, right? And then from there it just kind of plummets. You you have uh, the guy from uh, what do you call there the fucking uh, Bones dude Edward Furlong plays the Crow at one point. It get, it gets bad. Tara Reid shows up in one of these fucking things. As a franchise, can you find me? A steeper decline in quality of movie from one to two. I don't. I. I don't think you can. Except me. Well, I was going to say the Howling. Those. Those took a pretty good shit. But two was was still on par. I felt like. Ah. Uh, uh, all right. We'll get into that in a second. I don't want to get ahead of myself here. Uh. Let's see here. Thank you very much for calling in, Alan. That's two more for Freddie, of course. Uh. Let's get down to Southern California. With Miss Monica's pod boyfriend, the man himself, Mr. Tom Hardy. Hey yo! Hey yo! Padded room. How's my favorite degenerates this week? Oh, it's just I me. I hope all is going well. I'm all right. 
Darian, you got me, man. You know, but you I, said, ah, well, there's nobody else here. It's just me, buddy, and Miss Monica aren't here. Yeah. And then last week, man, you had, like, the, some old Jewish lady there, like a Jewish <laughs> grandma, and then some, like, some oh, Goomba from, you know, old New York Dang. and stuff. And I realized, <laughs> my God, that's just Darian's incredible acting I skills. I tell you what, man. Man, you just you don't bottle. get enough credit for it. Well, and, thank you uh, very much. God, I'm, I'm just so impressed with uh, your abilities there, I'm sir. sensing your sarcasm. Well done. Tom Hart. Uh, so anyway, let me get on to the, uh, the Terror Dome what there. What do you think? So we got the Creeper and Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger. Now, you make a pretty fair argument that the Creeper's got a hibernate or whatever for 30-some years. That's the thing. And, uh, you know, obviously that's where, you know, Krueger's going to do his think. deeds. But, uh, you know, I think you're forgetting something, Darian. Oh, here we go. I think you're forgetting. What am I forgetting? What's the Creeper got? That's wings. Right. The Creeper's got wings. <laughs> Darian, remember how that's the coup de grace? That's okay. Nothing can overcome All right. wings. Remember? Yep. Oh, I, I, I deserve you know what? this. Mr. Freddy Krueger. Thank fuck you. The creeper and his pedophile creator. Okay, easy. Anyway, um... Oh, yeah, I wanted to get in on um, huh. the what-are-you-looking-at department here. You and got, uh, I got I got to catch a bunch of stuff, actually. Oh, cool. Right um, on. First one was um, the, uh, there's someone inside your house, or there's somebody in your yeah. house, something like that. It's yeah. like that new one on, on Netflix. Netflix. What would you think of that? Not bad. Um, pretty, pretty good, actually. I found it to be predictable. Excuse me. Whoop. Anyhow, I was saying uh, pretty good. Um Got a little heavy-handed yeah. on the social commentary, which really sucks because earlier it was kind of subtle on it, yeah. and it was, you know, it was funny. Not making fun of, but funny, you know, actually, and it was enjoyable. Kind yeah. of like, kind of like a uh, Night of the Living Dead versus uh, what was it, Diary or Document, Documentarian uh, of the yeah. Dead, whatever. Yeah. The subtlety of uh, the commentary, you know, whereas. Then later it just became, this is what the whole fucking thing's about. Yep. So, you know, like I said, as, as long as you don't mind letting that get too much in the way. Okay. Not a bad flick. Uh. Um, and then I decided, you know what, I'm going to go on a, a little tour of the uh, under 90 minute flicks. Okay. And then yeah. shit out there, you know, and, and sure. a lot of it was first time watch for me. I got to catch um, Hush and uh, Your Next kind of had like an accidental... Home Invasion. Uh, double picture, uh, crossbow flick. You know, sure. both of them I know people have talked about. Most people have seen them already. Yeah. Both were, I thought, really good flicks. I oh, personally yeah. I preferred Hush of the two, but I still thought both were really good. Yeah. Yeah, GP, as he is wont to do. Um, of, if I, that, Those are two pretty solid Home Invasion movies. Hush and You're Next. If I had to pick one out of those two, they're both good. I've thoroughly enjoyed them both i probably go with your next just because i love the comedic elements um in your next like when joe swanberg is rolling around on the ground calling his brother a low life <laughs> while he has a crossbow bolt sticking out of his back i love it uh he called back g motherfucking peed g motherfucking Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Anyhow, um, oh, was I saying? Oh, yeah, and then I got to catch, uh, I hadn't, I've never seen Lights Out, and, uh, Lights I thought out. that was actually oh, yeah. pretty darn Maria good, too. Bello. Uh, and one of the things about it, God, it's painful, was, uh, oh. the little kid, um, you know, kind of 
his circumstance there. Hey, he's living with fucking crazy mom, yeah. you know. Yeah. He fucking knows is crazy, but he's got no no power, no authority. Right. Kind of reminded me of um, an Oculus when yeah. that was when what was going down in Oculus. Absolutely. Uh, you know, where the kids are just fucking Trying basically victims, you know, of the ghost father and again they got no power you know there there's no food in the house because fucking ghost dad is all crazy yeah. anyway i, I like i thought it was a good That's flick not bad. and then i got the, the best of the bunch huh. in my opinion a brand new flick called um untitled horror movie <laughs> or okay. unfinished i think it's untitled horror movie okay um it's kind of like a uh like an unfriended or uh huh. you know the, the type like you know, where it's like all, all on FaceTime or Snapchat, whatever that sure. thing is, you know, where you can see the people while you're talking. I'm not mad at that. Um, I like that. So, you know, it is, you know, quote unquote found footage. Sure. So be aware of that. The first, like, I don't know, 10 minutes or whatever, I was kind of like, what the fuck is going on? But then I saw what they were going for with that, and I was like, okay, guys, strongly recommend this flick. It's, okay. It's, uh, it's really good. It's cheap, you know, but. The characters are cool. As long as you can, you know, buy in with the characters. Oh, I know a Yahoo like that, or I know some Jackass kind of like that. Sure. It's actually pretty good. I'd, I'd really recommend it. Okay. I don't, you know, do like a top ten list of the year, but if I did, this would definitely be on there. So okay. give it a shot if you have some time, man. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, oh, on the um, educating department, yeah. uh, you fucking got me. I don't know. What Beach House. Anyhow, I hope all is well. Love you like family. Bye now. Love you too, Tom Hardy. Thank you for calling in, my friend. Right on, man. I am not mad. Okay, here's the thing about found footage movies. They're cheap as shit to make. And you can fandango your way around uh, not showing any special, not needing any special effects by just shaking the shit out of the camera. It's cheap. Uh, Well, Fortunately or unfortunately, Eduardo Sanchez kind of laid the blueprint for it with the Blair Witch Project. That movie was made for, I think, $22,000 and set fucking smashed records um, with, like, uh, gross income. I think it came in, I think it finally finished internationally at, like, $4.2 bazillion. I think is what it made. It it was the it was, still to this day is the highest grossing independent horror film ever. And right after that, the fucking flatbed truck just backed right up and dumped a shit ton of found footage horror movies on us because they are just that cheap to make. Now, it's not to say that they're all bad. Probably, in my opinion, I would say. Uh, 80% of them, you can just fucking fire right past. No actors, nobody in there that you'd ever recognize. No special effects. Um, just an attempt, uh, uh, an erstwhile attempt, I'll give you that, at making a, uh, a horror movie out of, you know, you and your friends fucking off in the woods. Uh, what do you got? You got Strawberry Estates, St. Francisville Experiment, uh, Apartment, what was it, 211, uh, 14th floor. That, there's thousands of these things. Go on Tubi. They have a whole channel just to found footage horror movies. It will make you want to piss your pants. It's that bad. Um, but now, uh, ever since, I don't know, Unfriended, I guess, 2012-ish, we have these online horror movies. Unfriended, Host, uh, other ones. Oh, the other one, uh, Unfriended Dark Web, which I still haven't seen. 
where the whole thing kind of exists in this internet chat space. And there is a lot of room for horror there, my friends. Uh, host was pretty good. I liked unfriended quite a bit. Um, there's other, Oh, uh, what was that? Megan is missing or whatever that one. Like, yeah, I don't know about that one. Um, but there's, there's some good ones out there. As long as they can stay in that bubble that they create, like Unfriended, whole thing, whole story takes place within the space of, I think it's, it's like real time. So it's like an hour and a half. Uh, all these kids log on to talk about this concert they're going to. Uh, 10 to 12 minutes later, all but one of them are dead. I love it. I love that. I love that about them. Um, as long as they keep it tight in there, it usually turns out pretty good. You got to spend some, well, all right. I'm not going to tell you how to make your movie. Uh, that's all I got on the listener mail there, kiddos. We have, uh, thank you guys very much. Uh, the Terra Dome is locked, so we're going to get into that shortly after the movie. Uh, Cowboy, Kevin, Cat, um, who else? Tim, Freddie, Alan, Tom Hardy. You guys are the best. You knew that already. I don't have to tell you again. Uh, let's go ahead. Shall we? You guys, what? You guys ready to go into CD 1994 Detroit, where it's just gloomy and disgusting and crime-ridden and uh, pretty all-around uh, funky? You don't want to be there. Let's do it, man. We're going in. Here we go. People once believed that when someone dies, a crow carries their soul sometimes just sometimes the crow can bring that soul back to put the wrong things right you're all going to die is that gasoline I smell Yep, it is The Crow from 1994, uh, directed by Alex Proyas, written by James O'Barr. This one comes in at 7.6 stars on IMDb. It's got a hard R rating, stars Brandon Lee, Michael Wincott, and Ernie Hudson. Um, a lot of people believe that this film is cursed because of the death of Brandon Lee, obviously. There's also a lot of other... Um, unfortunate occurrences that happen on set if you guys get a chance and if you have access to shutter they have a whole series on there about cursed movies and uh this is this is one of the up they do a whole episode they break the whole thing down for you um it's pretty it's pretty heavy man it's pretty heavy especially knowing what we know about the death of of brandon lee watching it now is is pretty uh i mean i don't think it takes anything away from the Excuse me. I don't think it takes anything away from the movie. It's still a good movie. But watching it through the lens of a viewer who knows what happened 
on set during the creation of this film kind of puts a whole other paint job on it. And I will say this also. Because of the tragic death of Brandon Lee, he was like no, clearly not present for like the last half of the shooting, so he was digitally input into the film. And watching it now on Blu-ray, you can it's pretty easy to see which scenes he was not there for, which is it kind of put, it makes those scenes even eerier to watch. You're watching a digital representation of a guy that died making this movie. Uh, just for just for a second or two, but he didn't make it that far into production to complete that scene. He was dead by the time they were supposed. It's it's a whole thing, man. It is a whole thing. Anyway, just wanted to uh, bring that to your attention. I'm sure you already knew that. I'm sure you've already seen this movie, right? It's a great movie. Um, God damn, man. 1994. What was I? A freshman in high school. This fucking thing hit uh, movie theaters. Didn't, I didn't see it in the theater, unfortunately. I caught it when it hit uh, video at the local video store, Reno Video, off of Miraloma. That thing, they, they had three copies. One of them stayed at my house pretty much permanently until it hit Suncoast Video at Meadowood Mall, where I was able to finally purchase the goddamn thing, which was like five months later. So I easily spent... In probably in the hundreds of dollars renting this goddamn thing <laughs> week in and week out. I could probably recite the whole thing, but I'm not going to. Um, so our, our movie starts in gritty, disgusting Detroit. And to be fair, I don't know that Detroit is this bad. This is basically Detroit by way of Gotham City. It's got a very World of Darkness feel to it. Uh, it rains all the time. I don't know if that's a thing in Detroit. I've never been to, well, no, I take that back. I have been to Detroit, but only the airport. Um, miserable, crime ridden, uh, corrupt infrastructure, police failing, uh, drugs all over the place. But that was kind of the vibe of 1994. Look at some of the other movies that came out around that time. New Jack City, Juiced, or not Juiced, Juice, of course. Um, what else? Candyman. You know, you had that inner city grit. Uh, it was pretty nasty. So we're going to jump right into a crime scene in which a young couple have been murdered. Uh, the the female has been beaten and raped severely, and she's being uh, taken out of the crime scene via ambulance. The man, unfortunately, is already deceased. He was thrown out of a seven-story window after being stabbed and shot. So that is... Bad business all the way around. Um, one of the officers there we're going to recognize is Ernie Hudson. Uh, he's going to play, uh, well, Officer Albrecht. He's going to be kind of like the tie between the events to come and the mortal world in a weird way. One of the ties. There's a few. And if you're up on um, the world of darkness, like the old role-playing games, you'll spot a lot of similarities here between this and Wraith the Oblivion. Um, like the way the ghosts operate, it's a whole thing. I'm not going to bore you to death, uh, with that shit. But anyway, um, from there, we're going to, we're going to find out that, uh, the, both these people died, the, the guy and the girl, they were supposed to get married the next night. This whole crime took place on quote unquote devil's night, which is October 30th, which is a real thing in Detroit where apparently, uh, it's a okay to just go burn down, uh, abandoned buildings. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I've heard of it before and I know it is a thing in Detroit. 
I don't know if it's uh, if they still do that. I hope not, because I feel like a lot of homeless people could get seriously hurt if you're doing that. Don't do that. That's that's probably bad ideas. Um, so yeah, that's what you have. They're dead. Now we're going to fast forward a year later. Uh, in between, though, we're going to get like this uh, cut scene of a crow flying over the city as it's burning, and this voiceover from a little girl explaining that uh, when somebody it was once said that the crow carries your soul from the land of the living to the land of the dead. And once in a great while, uh, the crow can kind of, instead of taking you to the land of the dead, it can kind of bust a U-turn for you and allow you to come back for a little while to make the wrong things right if you died unjustly somehow. So that's kind of the premise and the mythology of that. We're, that that's, that's as far as we're going to go. That's all we're going to know about this, is that the crow brought him back and is somehow helping him. So from there, we cut to a year later. We're going to kind of uh, f- meet a few people here. We're going to start with what is probably the most colorful, uh, fun-loving band of fuckheads <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a movie. Uh, I mean, they're villains, but to be honest with you, they seem like a good time. And, you know, they're blowing up uh, video game arcades and, and robbing people. That's no good. But they're also swallowing 9mm rounds with tequila, which I'm not going to do. But it looks like fun. It looks like something I'd like to watch somebody else do. Uh, we're going to meet these guys. It's T-Bird and his crew. Um, I don't know what exactly. They're, they're arsonists, I guess, for lack of a better term. I don't know what they they blow up buildings and they burn shit down, and we're gonna we're gonna find out later on they work they're working for somebody else. Um, I don't understand the point of them blowing up buildings and burning shit down. I thought like if it was an organized crime thing, which it kind of is, uh, you know, you're late on your protect, pr- protection payments, will blow up your building. I get that, but I don't understand how like revenue is generated that way. I don't know. I don't understand crime to begin with. <laughs> You're probably talking to the wrong guy about how to profit from um, arson. Unless it's like some kind of an insurance scam. I have no idea. Anyway, T-Bird, played by David Patrick Kelly. You'll recognize him as uh, uh, the shipbird from the Warriors. He's like, whenever you need a typical shipbird for your movie, David Patrick Kelly is the guy you go to. He's a squirrely little guy. He's very villainous and like he's got like just a conniving little face on him. And uh, I'm sure he's a sweetheart in real life, but he's become a bit of a character actor because he always plays a shit stain of a human being. And uh, this is not going to be any different. He plays T-Bird. He's like the leader of this crew and he's the only one with a car, apparently. We also have Skank, who is uh, on every drug imaginable, I believe, or just mentally deficient. Tintin. Uh, the token black guy, who is also really good with knives, and Fun Boy, who is also a raging drug addict of some sort. I don't know what these guys are on. Heroin, I assume. Not uh, Mid-90s, I'm going to go heroin. Uh, they're blowing up buildings, is what they're doing, and um, they blow up a video game arcade. I'm not sure why. I don't know how much money the arcade was generating. Couldn't be much. Although in 1994, I can tell you from experience, I put many a dollar into a video game uh, arcade in 1994. Uh, but that's, that's fun. And of course, these are the culprits of the, the double murder that took place a year before. So from there, the crow flies over to the cemetery where Brandon Lee pops out of the ground, um, into the 
perfect little rain situation. Uh, he's he's wearing his funeral attire, so he's got to ditch the uh, the split shirt and the jacket, and he's just walking around shirtless for a while. I hope I look that good at some point in my life. I don't know how old Brandon Lee was when he died. Probably younger than I am now. I'm pretty sure of that. Uh, but I would like to look like that at some point. I, I got to quit with the fast food or something. I don't know. Um, he kind of walks around. He's following the crow. The crow is kind of, you know, going around and flying. And he's kind of seeing what the crow sees. The crow takes him and gets him some boots. And he's got some pants on already. And then uh, he's like confused. He doesn't know what the shit's going on. So eventually the crow leads him up to his old apartment, which still has crime scene tape all over it. Um, a lot of their old stuff is still in there. The place is a tenement. You know what I'm saying? It is fucking disgusting. And even before they left, it, I'm sure it wasn't much better. Anyway, it's it's like a loft with these cool circular windows. One of them was the one that he got thrown out of. Leads him up there. And that's where we get like this uh, transformation scene, which is badass, by the way. Uh, the the song from The Crow is playing in the background. Uh, oh, not The Crow, The Cure. I mean, uh, Burn is playing in the background as he's painting his face and he's remembering what happened that night and he's punching mirrors and doing like little flips and uh, like does like a monkey bar swing out of the window, but then he comes back into a Iron Man pose kind of a, kind of a thing. <laughs> I am not doing it justice, and I realize that it's much cooler to watch than to hear me describe. So don't list, don't take my word for it if you haven't seen it. It's actually very cool. Paints his face, uh, finds himself an old ratty black shirt, um, puts that on. And then he's like, okay, I'm ready to go. As he, before he does his cool monkey bar swing, though, he cuts his hands up on the, on the glass that's still there. And then he looks down at his hands and the blood disappears and they instantly heal. So he's like, oh yeah, um, I'm immortal now. Nothing can hurt me. So after that, he's like, yeah, I'm going to go get these fuckers. Cause now he's like, he can see through the flashbacks. He can see like fun boy and Tintin and everybody raping his girlfriend, Shelly. And he's like, I got to get these motherfuckers right now. Fuck these guys. So after the, the cool little transformation montage wraps, he goes walking out there with the crow on his shoulder. Uh, first guy he comes across is Tintin. Cause apparently T-Bird and his crew have called it a night and now they're all going their separate ways. Tintin is at Gideon's pawn shop. Um, which is your typical CD pawn shop. Everything there is stolen, but Gideon, the owner, doesn't give a shit. He's too busy eating sandwiches and uh, using ethnic slurs. Um, Tintin is there, like, pawning some purses that he stole. Tintin comes out. The crow catches him. So Eric, we're, we've met this guy. His name's Eric Draven. Eric sees him through the crow's eyes, and he's like, there's Tintin. I'm going to go kick his ass because... Fuck him anyway. So he catches up to Tintin in an alley, and they kind of go back and forth. Uh, the cool thing that I like about The Crow, or at least this iteration of it, was the very dry sense of humor that Eric Draven had as a character, you know? He's uh, punching him, and, you know, they kind of Tintin gets the better of him for a second after he describes the rape and murder of Shelley. Uh, Eric kind of goes into a headspin, and then uh, Tintin gets up and kicks him around a little bit. And then Tintin's like, hey, I'm going to throw these knives at you because I'm really good at throwing knives. So 
here I go. He throws one and he like swats it out of the way. Then he throws another one and he swats that one out of the way. He's like, come on, try harder. So then he throws the last one and he catches it and he throws it right back at him and, and catches Tintin right in the chest. And then he takes all of Tintin's other knives and stabs him with them and leaves Tintin there and steals Tintin's trench coat because that is the move. You got to have a trench coat if you're going to be some kind of a crime fighter in 1994. This is pre-Matrix, by the way. So there's that. I feel like the Matrix kind of ripped off the crow a little bit with the trench coats. Uh, very cool. Tintin's out of the equation. And now Eric has like a... He's got like a sense of purpose. He knows why he's back from the dead. He knows he can't be killed. Uh, he knows... I don't know if he feels pain or not. I think he does. But he's like, all right. All right. I'm going to track the rest of these asshats down. And I'm going to put a beating on... I'm going to kill them. I'm going to kill them all is what I'm going to do. That's my plan. So he saw Tintin come out of Gideon's pawn shop. So his next move is to dip into Gideon's pawn shop and uh, interrogate Gideon, the, the big fat owner guy. So... He does a, a pretty good uh, beat down on Gideon. He like stabs his hand into the counter and uh, he starts, hey, you motherfucker. Uh, those fuckhead Tintin and T-Bird and his crew, they keep you keep buying stolen merchandise off of them. They're out killing people for this shit. So he's like, where's, where's all the wedding rings? Just tell me where the wedding rings are. And he's like, they're under the counter. Oh my God. So he goes and he gets the big box of wedding rings. And he starts rifling through them, and he finds Shelly's wedding ring, the ring that he gave Shelly. And every time he finds something that reminds him of Shelly, it immediately jumps into a very rosy flashback of him and Shelly having cute moments in the kitchen and falling in love and taking each other's clothes off. And we're going to meet another character, a young lady by the name of Sarah, who was a 12-year-old girl, basically an orphan, uh, her mom is a waitress. Her mom is Darla. She's a waitress at the local drinking hole. And she's a bit of a heroin head. So she's basically an orphan that Shelly kind of adopted. She was like a little hanger-on that was always hanging. Um, very cool. He's like, every one of these rings is a life that you helped take. And he's throwing them at Gideon. And then he loads them all up into a shotgun that he found there. And he also takes a guitar Because, you know, as if enough panties aren't dropping already after the shirtless scene, now he's going to play the fucking guitar. So he's probably going to have sex with your wife. (laughs) I don't know if he can because he's technically dead, but she wants it. You know she wants it. God damn it. From Brandon Lee in the crow outfit. And if she says she doesn't, she's lying to you. Anyway, uh, finally he dumps gasoline all over the place. And uh, Gideon tells him that uh, um, T-Bird and his crew hang out at the local watering hole. Uh, I think it was called Dippies or something like that, just down the way. So all of his little pirate friends hang out there. And then at the last second, he's like, I'm not going to kill you. I want you to tell them that death is coming for you. And he's like, yeah, go ahead. They're going to erase your sorry ass. And then Eric's like, is that gasoline I smell? And then he pulls the trigger on the shotgun, which he loaded with everybody's wedding rings, and it blows up Gideon's uh, whole uh, fucking pawn shop. The whole building blows up. So, kaboom, there it is. Uh, So now Eric knows where to go to find the rest of these turds. We're going to cut to the the turd guys. Before Tintin got killed, that was the big iconic swallowing 9mm rounds with tequila scene. I, I kind of want to hang with these. I'm not going to do any property damage, or I'm definitely not going to rape anybody. 
But I wouldn't mind driving around with these guys in 1994. I was, uh, what, 16? So, you know, I hang with them. I'm not, I probably don't know how to hold alcohol, and I'm definitely not swallowing a 9mm round. That's going to hurt on the way out if it doesn't somehow go off in my stomach, which would probably be the what really happened. Anyway, he goes over there. Uh, Sarah is there, and she's trying to talk to her mother, the waitress, who's already high as a kite. Now, the mother is having, Darla, is having like a weird abusive relationship with one of T-Bird's guys, Fun Boy, played by Michael Massey. Another uh, fucking meth head, all jacked up all the time, um, shooting up heroin, doing all kinds of bad shit. Uh, Sarah is there. Uh, Darla and Fun Boy go upstairs, because apparently there's a hotel right above this place, which is wildly convenient. Bar, hotel. If you're a prostitute, you got everything you need right there. Uh, They go upstairs, presumably to do more drugs and possibly have sex with each other. And that's when Eric catches up with Fun Boy, Michael Massey. Now, from what I understand, and it's been a while since I've seen that show, but this is the actual scene that was being shot when Brandon Lee was killed. Michael Massey unfortunately passed away in 2016. After the incident on The Crow, he didn't do any acting work for like three or four years. He he was so traumatized by the event. And he said right up until his dying day, he was still having nightmares about Brandon Lee and what happened on the set of The Crow, as he probably should. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not faulting Michael Massey. He's an actor. I'm not faulting Alec Baldwin for what recently happened either. There is supposed to be like a whole crew of safety professionals on these shoots managing firearms. There's supposed to be an armorer. There's supposed to be, I don't know. I mean, from what I understand, this is how it works. So somebody somewhere in this process wasn't doing their job correctly in both of these cases, Rust and the Crow, and now we have uh, dead people that shouldn't be dead right now. So there's that. Uh, I don't blame Michael Massey. He very much blamed himself, though. I don't know where Alec Baldwin is with that right now, but this this scene, what happened here, jacked him up, uh, probably ruined like the rest of his life, like his, his whole psyche and everything. Anyway, um, so Eric catches up to Fun Boy as he's high as a kite with Darla. Uh, Eric comes into the room following the crow. Uh, Fun Boy's like, what are you doing? He's high as a kite, man. He's like, hey, what are you doing? Eric comes in, he's like, well, go ahead and shoot me then, fucker. So he shoots him right through the hand, and he's like, ah, look at that, my hand just healed itself, you prick. And then, of course, he, like, shoots him like five or six more times. I think one of those was the big, the big one for Brandon Lee, unfortunately. Um, <clears throat> Eric kind of dances around, and then he kind of smacks Fun Boy around. Darla runs off to a bathroom. Uh, Fun Boy accidentally shoots himself in the leg, like... Eric slaps the gun and he it goes off and shoots him shoots himself in the leg and then he goes down. Uh, while he's down, uh, Eric goes into the bathroom after Darla and like squeezes the heroin out of her veins. And he's like, "Hey man, your daughter is out there on the streets of Detroit right now by herself. Think about that shit." I'm paraphrasing obviously, but she's like, ah! and she go takes off running. <clears throat> right down, oddly enough. She runs right past her daughter, who is still downstairs in the bar. Apparently, Detroit in 1994 had some very loose alcohol laws 
like legal age of drinking and stuff because I think Sarah was like 14. Anyway, after that, Eric takes all the drug needles in uh, Fun Boy's apartment and sticks them all in his chest and basically ODs his ass. Well done, Eric. Goodbye, Fun Boy, you piece of shit. Now, from there, we're going to find out what's actually going on with these dudes. Sort of. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but we're going to get a better idea. T-Bird, who is the leader of this little pirate crew, has a meeting with a guy named Top Dollar. Top Dollar, apparently, is like the the, the kingpin of Detroit in the mid-90s. Um, played by Michael Wincott. Now, I love me some Michael Wincott. He, th- there are two... Of, he's in two of my favorite movies uh, from my, my high school career. This one being one. The second one being Stranger Days with Ralph Fiennes. Um, he, he played a shitbird in both of them. But what's interesting to me, and this is never really addressed in the movie, Top Dollar has a Texas accent. What's he doing in Detroit? He's got an Asian sister that he's clearly having sex with, or at least he claims to be her brother. I don't know for sure. Um, there's a lot to unpack here with Top Dollar. We're not going to get any of it, but I would like some kind of a Top Dollar backstory. Maybe I have to get into the comic books for that. I don't know. Uh, Michael Wincott is Top Dollar. Top notch, in my opinion. Uh, Top Dollar is the big guy. He's got Tony Todd working for him. He plays a guy named Grange. He's like his second in command slash enforcer. He's a scary guy. Is I mean, you know. Tony Todd's a scary guy to begin with, with Candyman, all that other stuff. He could be pretty intimidating. Uh, T-Bird comes in and he's like, hey, yeah, uh, Tintin got killed. Somebody put all of his blades and his organs in alphabetical order. And he's like, well, shit, sorry about that. Uh, I didn't okay it, so I don't know. And he's like, all right, well, great. Uh, by the way, uh, Gideon's got blown up. You know anything about that? And he's like, no, I don't. that wasn't me. I blew up the arcade game, the arcade I didn't blow up uh, the pawn shop, though. I kind of needed that pawn shop because that's where I fence all my ill-gotten gains, so to speak. <clears throat> so Top Dollar's like, yeah, I want to get to the bottom of that, too. So T-Bird's like, okay, well, I'm going to go round up Fun Boy and Skank, and we're going to, I don't know, we're on for tomorrow night, though. We're going to burn this whole fucking place down. So I guess this is technically October 29th. Um, he leaves. He rounds up Skank, who's outside waiting for him. Uh, Skank goes taking off. Him and Skank go taking off. They go to a convenience store where Skank is supposed to run inside and grab some beers and some other shit. Uh, He runs inside. T-Bird goes back to the car uh, to wait for Skank, and Eric pops out of the back seat behind him, puts a gun to his head. So Skank is inside. He see Eric's like, I'm your passenger. Drive. So off they go. Skank sees that from inside and starts yelling and screaming, happy horse shit. He goes running outside, trying to catch up with T-Bird, immediately gets hit by, uh, run over, actually, by a guy driving a Pinto. Uh, the guy in the Pinto is a big, scary dude. He gets out. He's like, hey, you asshead. You hit my car. Skank's just been hit going probably 35 miles an hour. Uh, Skank then beats up the guy, the big scary guy, and steals the Pinto and goes hauling ass after T-Bird. T-Bird is doing top speeds down these weird back alleyways. Of course, he's driving through a bunch of boxes because apparently people just stack boxes in alleyways. We don't have a lot of alleyways here in Reno, so I, I, we have a few, and I don't think I've ever seen any boxes 
stacked. They're usually broken down and put in dumpsters, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, some cops spot him, and they're like, oh, we're going to catch this fucker. So the cops take off after T-Bird. The Pinto is behind the cops. Uh, eventually, the T-Bird manages to zig and zag through the streets, loses the cops. Skank actually gets T-boned by the cops. Their airbags deploy. Skank gets pushed like another 40 feet uh, in the Pinto and then gets out pretty much unscathed and just goes hauling ass after T-Bird on foot. Uh, Eric forces T-Bird to drive to the docks where he duct tapes him to his seat, takes every flammable fluid and explosive in the car, uh, forces T-Bird to recall the events of that night a year ago in which uh, he was killed and Shelly was raped and beaten. And uh, basically what we find out is that they were fi- oh, this. I I don't understand this either, and I'm sure there's a lot more to this that just didn't make it into the movie. But apparently, Eric and Shelley were fighting tenant eviction in that building. Uh, they didn't want to be evicted, and they were. I guess they were paid up, but like the building had been condemned. Um, top dollar was somehow contracted to get everybody out of that building. So uh, he used T-Bird and his crew to basically go in there and strong arm everybody. They went upstairs to Shelly and um, Eric's apartment, found Shelly there by herself. And being the bunch of asshats that they are, they said, here's an attractive young lady. Why don't we go ahead and put a raping on her and kick the shit out of her? So that's what they did. Eric came home right in the middle of this, just in time to get uh, one of Tin Tin's knives in his chest and then get shot by T-Bird and then tossed out of the window by Funboy and Skank. And after that, they all took turns with uh, Shelly, which is nasty. Um, they got away, Scott clean. Nobody in the building would talk because they didn't want the same shit to happen to them, obviously. And thus, uh, nobody was ever arrested for the murders of Eric Draven or Shelly Webster. Thus, Eric is back to kill everybody that did it. Uh, T-Bird's like, hey, that was you! Oh, shit, no, we killed you. You can't be back. You're dead. We killed you. And then, uh, basically, uh, Eric puts the gas pedal down. Uh, The T-Bird goes flying off the pier, and then Eric hits the clacker and blows it up midair. And just as Skank is coming around the corner to see the the car blow up in midair, and then it goes plummeting to the bottom of, uh, I don't know, Lake Erie or wherever that is. T-Bird, down. Fun Boy, down. Tintin, down. That just leaves Skank. Now, at this point, word has gotten back to Top Dollar. And he's pretty pissed off because, well, he's not really pissed off. But T-Bird was one of his top guys. Uh, He's got a big meeting, a big Devil's Night meeting with the rest of his little crime uh, cartel, whatever the fuck they are. I don't know. Um, And T-Bird is not going to be there, so he sends Grange out to grab Skank. Uh, Grange goes out, grabs Skank, brings him back to um, uh, Top Dollar. Skank is like, he's all fucked up on meth or heroin or something. So he's like dancing around and trying to explain what happened. And T-Bird and Grange are looking at each other going, what the fuck with this guy? So eventually they get the idea that, uh, you know, uh, something weird is happening here. Somebody has come, some victim of theirs has come back to seek revenge and is doing so by killing everybody. So then they send for Gideon, the, uh, what do you call the, uh, pawn shop owner? 
He comes back and tells the exact same story, tells them, gives them the name Eric Draven. So now they know they send Grange out to the grave, which is clearly like dug up because Eric popped out of it. He's like, yep, there's uh, not a dead guy in there. It's fucking empty. Comes back. So now what we have is some bait. Top dollar has skank. Uh, the crow is leading the following night. Uh, the crow is leading Eric to skank right smack in the middle of this big devil's night meeting. Now, I don't understand. And again, this is probably something that was lost in the comics. How does one profit unless top dollar has insurance policies on all of the abandoned buildings, which is, would be highly suspect. You'd think, um, how would he profit exactly from devil's night? I don't understand that. Um, but he's got all of his crime junkies there and he's like, let's burn a bunch of buildings and make a little, a lot of profits. And how though, how, how does that work? I mean, I'm no master criminal myself, but I'm very curious. Uh, anyway, we're just going to have to write that off for now. Uh, halfway through this meeting, he brings skank out and sits him down next to him. And he's like, Hey, what's up with you? And then the crow flies in right in the middle of their, their little meeting. Uh, he's like, hey, how'd that thing get here? Get in here? And then comes Eric, and he's like, I just want that guy. I don't give a fuck what you guys are doing. I need to kill him, referring to Skank, and then I'll be on my merry way. And Top Dollar's like, well, uh, no. And he's like, all right, you made your decision. Now you're going to have to enforce it. And he's like, oh, this is boring me. Just kill him. So they shoot the living piss out of Eric, and they all have a laugh about it. And then they start looking for Eric's body. Of course, it's not there. And then we get a very cool techno syndrome killing spree in which Eric just kills everybody in the goddamn building, pretty much. Uh, he steals some of their guns and shoots the piss out of them. When his guns run out of bullets, he starts grabbing swords off the wall and stabbing people. And uh, Top Dollar, his hot Asian sister, and Grange make it out. Everybody else dies. Skank is there. He's the last one to die. He's like, hey, Skank, remember me? And Skank's like, yes, no, I'm not Skank. That's Skank over there. Skank's dead already. And he's like, that's right, Skank. And then he throws Skank out the window the same way that they threw him out the window. Skank is dead. Now, that was it. Theoretically, that was it. But we don't know. I don't think anybody knows how the crow works. Because theoretically, as soon as Skank died... Eric should have been able to just kind of lay down and die himself and go back to uh, heaven or wherever you think you go. But he's still hanging. He's still chill. He's like, oh, I'll go back to my grave. I guess I, what do I need to climb back in there and fill my own grave with dirt? I don't know. I don't know. I'm dead. I should be dead. But um, he goes back to the cemetery where he finds Sarah waiting for him. And he gives Sarah the uh, um, wedding ring. He's like, hey, I think, uh, I think uh, Shelly would like you to have that. And she's like, oh, my God, thank you so much. Yeah, great. Um, while that was happening, Grange, uh, Micah is uh, Top Dollar's sister's name and Top Dollar driving. Micah is some kind of a weird Asian mystic. Like, she's like, all of a sudden, she's got it all figured out. She's like, the crow is the way to the land of the dead. So Grange is like, you kill the crow. You got to kill the crow before you kill Eric. You can't kill Eric until the crow is dead. So they kind of figured it out. Uh, they go back to the grave also, thinking that that's where Eric's going to go. Uh, they get there just in time to watch Sarah come out of the graveyard. So they grab her, take her inside the church. And now they're like, hey, uh, we're going to use you as bait. Sorry, sweetie, but that's what's happening because I want the crow's power. 
So Sarah gets pulled in there. Um, she is kind of, she's scared. Obviously top dollar takes the wedding ring. The crow goes flying. Crow's like, Hey dude, you can't die yet. You got to come in here with into the church with me. So this, we get a very cool scene here of Eric kicking the church door open and walking in with the crow on his shoulder and the wind and the rain behind him. Kick ass. If you ask me, uh, he is walking in, uh, top dollar is there. Grange has set up like a sniper's nest. And as soon as the crow flies in, he like takes it, he shoots the crow with a sniper rifle, wounds the crow, but doesn't kill it. Uh, after that, uh, Micah grabs the crow and goes hauling ass upstairs. Um, Eric walks up to Top Dollar. He's like, let her go and I'll let you walk out of here. And Top Dollar's like, nah, I don't think so. And he shoots Eric. And this time, the fuck, he actually wounds Eric. And Eric's like, ah, oh, shit, I'm bleeding. What the fuck? And then he collapses. And then Top Dollar kind of slaps him around a little bit. And uh, he's just about to kill Eric for realsies when Officer Albrecht shows up and shoots Grange. He's the big shootout in the church. Uh, eventually, Grange gets, gets killed. Um, Albrecht gets wounded. Uh, Top Dollar and Micah go running up the belfry where Top Dollar takes Sarah out onto the roof in this big rainstorm, very dramatic. Uh, Eric and Albrecht kind of limp their way up the stairs. They get to Micah, who is holding the crow. And they're both like, hey, don't, don't, uh, don't kill the crow. And Micah's like this mystic again. She's like, oh, so much power. Too, not there, too bad there is not more time for us. And then the crow freaks out and pecks, pecks both of her eyeballs out. And she goes plummeting down the, uh, the belfry. Uh, Eric goes running upstairs. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Albrecht also got wounded. Super is like a shoulder wound. Eric and Top Dollar end up having a sword fight on the roof in the rain in very dramatic fashion. Um, Eric is now mortal, I think, which begs the question as to what would have happened had he not been wounded. Would he just go on to live the, a regular life? I don't know. Um, Top Dollar gets the better of him. He's got like samurai swords and shit. Eric's trying to fight him, fight him off with a lightning rod. Works for a little bit. Uh, eventually, uh, Top Dollar mortally wounds Eric Draven, and Eric kind of slumps against one of the battlements, and Top Dollar comes in, and he's like, hey, friend, uh, I'm real sorry to spoil your wedding plans there, but, uh, you know, uh, nothing happens in this town without my say-so, but if it's any consolation, you did put a smile on my face, and Eric's like, I got something for you, I got 30 hours of pain, bitch, and he puts his hands on, um, Top Dollar's head, and I guess because Shelly held on for 30 hours in intensive care before she finally gave up the ghost, Eric somehow held on to that pain and he transferred it all to Top Dollar all at once, which causes Top Dollar to have like a spaz attack and then collapse off the roof in which he impales himself on one of the uh, steeples. And in a cool way, all the blood from Top Dollar runs through a gargoyle's mouth uh, in the rain. That was kind of cool. Uh, from there, that's pretty much the end of your movie. From there, Eric and Sarah get back down to Albrecht. Uh, Eric tells Albrecht, thank you, uh, because you stayed with Shelly and you held on to everything you knew. I was able to get these guys. And then he kind of walks out and then disappears. And then Albrecht gets loaded into an ambulance and he tells everybody that Top Dollar was the vigilante killer because the cops were looking for Eric. And, uh, that's pretty much the end of your movie. Great show. 
kick-ass action sequences, tragedy here in the death of Brandon Lee, um, could have gone on to be a really kick-ass franchise. I don't know that we could keep bringing, uh, bringing Brandon Lee back just because the, the mythos of the crow wouldn't really fit for that. But at the same time, if you got James Obar, who is the writer of the original comic book involved, they might be able to make it make sense somehow. Whatever they would have done would have been a lot better than what we actually got. And that is Crow, City of Angels, Crow, Wicked Prayer, uh, Crow, Salvation. I think there was like a... Uh, Crow TV show with Mark DeCoscos for a little while. I never saw it. I'd be willing to bet that that's better than most of the movies. I don't know. Um, that's The Crow. Check it out. I'm sure you already have. Check it out again. Check it out again. Maybe I'll I'll do like a retrospective and watch those other shitty movies. I don't know. Watch this one and then whatever. I'm going to take myself a little break uh, and then I'll come back with some other stuff.
Hey, inmates. If you like what you hear, head over to the Padded Room Facebook group and support us through the patron link with a small monthly donation. Check out the T-Villain link at paddedroom.podbean.com and grab some t-shirts. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. And I'm back. Something that I didn't mention that I probably should have about The Crow is the fucking kick-ass soundtrack, which I just played a little snippet of for you. Um, Full of 90s angst, had that full techno-industrial vibe to it, fit perfectly into the movie. Uh, Probably one of my favorite horror... I don't know if you call this a horror movie or not. One of my favorite film soundtracks of all time, right next to Tales from the Crypts, Demon Knight. Um, What else? I don't know. Um, I can't. That's really, that's about it for, that I can think of off the top of my head. I'm sure there's other ones that I own that, uh, well, yeah. Let me take a look at my playlist here real quick. Crow is on there. Um, Demon Knight, of course, is on there. Uh, what else we got here? I have more movie soundtracks than I do actual albums. The first Mortal Kombat movie. Pretty good soundtrack. That had uh, Sepultura on it and uh, Gravity Kills. Speaking of, you know, that industrial rock scene from the 90s. Um, what else we got here? Yeah, that's not a movie. That's probably, if I had a top three from my my uh, high school years, that'd probably be it. Uh, the Crow, Demon Knight, and Mortal Kombat. That's a pretty good one, one, two, three punch, if you ask me. All right, you guys ready to get into the Terra Dome? No tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. I'm not gonna hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains in. I'm gonna bash them right the fuck in. I'll kill you all. I'll try to be crazy. I'll kill you all. Dream come true. To the Terradome. Let's get it on. First, last week's winners. <clears throat> Singles competition, we had Freddy Krueger versus the Creeper. The creature had secured its prey. The young man was firmly in its grasp as it flew off into the night. Upon arrival at its lair, it realized the ruse. The young man was gone, replaced with a disgusting, disfigured old man in a tattered sweater. The creature wanted to kill the man, but couldn't move. The old man slashed and shredded at it until it was reduced to ribbons. In the waking world, the creature lay dormant only a year into its hibernation as it began to bleed from the four 
parallel slash marks. With a vote of 13 to 2, Freddy Krueger advances over the Creeper. Look, man, you can't be mad at me because the Creeper has wings, all right? And you can't be mad at me because he beat Jason Voorhees. That'll happen. Jason is kind of a one-trick pony, really. I'm sorry, but it's true, and he can be beaten. I'm sorry it had to be by the Creeper, who apparently everybody hates. But it happened. Let's move on. The Creeper is now out. Maybe we can finally get over all the anger, (laughs) which is directed at me for some reason, as if it was like my plan. I think the Creeper is Buddy's guy this year. I don't know why everybody's mad at me. All right, anyway, let's take a look at this week's matchup, shall we? We are in the Inferno Conference Round 9. As usual, inmates, bear with me. I'm not very good at writing things. And I really had to reach for this one. So normally I can zero in on these things pretty quick. This one was very difficult. So here we go. Angela's friends were dead. The party was over. The police came, searched the place, and left. They didn't find anything, and in the end, wrote the whole affair off to a teen suicide pact. But Angela remained. Seasons came and went, years flew by, and Hull House remained vacant. The occasional homeless squatter or teenage tough guy looking to test his bravery against the legend proved menial entertaining for her, but nothing like that Halloween night. The night of the comet changed all that, creating a seismic event in the town. The impact of the meteor caused a shift in the underground stream that surrounded Hull House, and just like that, Angela was free. The world around Hull House had shifted as well. Now everything was covered in a thick slime, and egg sacs littered the street. She had a lot, of, a lot to catch up on. Singles competition: We have Angela versus Angela from Night of the Demons versus the Xenomorph from Alien. Now. I like Night of the Dean. That's hard. That was a hard one to write, dude. Because normally I can zero in on like some kind of commonality between the two, and I can kind of expand on that, and that's where I'll come up with the Terror Dome uh, fan fiction thing. There's nothing. <laughs> there is absolutely zero in common between Night of the Demons and Alien. That being said, in a fight, I have to go with the Xenomorph, man. Angela's cool. I love Night of the Demons. Um she glides and she's got a Dr. Claw voice. She's got some gnarly teeth and fingernails, but I don't think she ever really used them. So the, the Xenomorph on the other hand is just a bucket of ferocity that is going to run at you from the dark, tackle you and tear you to fucking shreds before you even knew what happened. I got to go with the Xenomorph on this one, guys. I don't, I don't see it going any other way. If somebody can make an argument for Angela, I would love to hear it. But for now, I'm sticking with the Xenomorph. That is your Terra Dome matchup for the weekend, mates. It is Angela from Night of the Demons versus the Xenomorph. As usual, the mental health hotline is area code 775-387-0275. Or you can email us at thepaddedroom2011 at hotmail.com. In the meantime, I'm going to tell you what movies I got to watch this week in a little segment called What Are You Looking At? What are you looking at? 
So, uh, from what I understand, a brand spanking new Paramount, uh, Paranormal Activity has just landed on Paramount+. Plus. Now, I like that. I like it a lot. But for the life of me, I, it has been at least years since I've seen any of these goddamn movies. So, my plan for the week was to catch up on the Paranormal Activity franchise and then launch into the new one on Paramount+. Plus. I didn't quite make it as far as I'd liked. I did watch Paranormal Activity from 2007. This movie uh, will always have a very special place in my heart. And this is kind of the re- one of the reasons that I do this show is because this is, this is kind of the tale of who we are as horror fans. We all have some movie that, uh, you know, we took a girl to see and then she went on to be our wife or some other, you know, some benchmark in our lives has been predicated on which movie we saw about that time. And in this case, I'm going to get a little personal here. I apologize. Uh, This was the last movie that my father and I got to see together in a movie theater in 2009 before he, er, yeah, no, well, it came out in 2007. He passed away in 2009. Uh, The year up to his death, he got onset dementia. It was not a pretty scene, but this was the last movie that he and I got to see in a theater together. Um, and for that reason, this one will always be something that, that sticks with me. Uh, I watched that, uh, Paranormal Activity 2, which follows from 2010. Um, little, th- so there's some, there's some minor inconsistencies here in this franchise. And it's probably easily overlooked um, if you don't marathon them the way I tried to. But... The problem here is that, okay, so we have Paranormal Activity. You have Katie and Micah in the first movie. Uh, Second movie, we meet Katie's sister. Second movie is actually a prequel to the original Paranormal Activity. We meet Katie's sister, Christy, and her husband and family. Now, the problem here, I apologize, I'm sure you guys have already seen it, but at the end of the second movie, which leads into the start of the first movie, uh, Christy kind of hands the entity off to Katie, uh, unwill- unwillingly and unknowing, well, her husband does it with the, the housekeeper. It's a weird thing. But all throughout the second movie, Katie is going back and forth between her house and uh, Christie's house. And Christie's asking her about all this weird shit. And Katie never makes any mention of that in the first movie, which would actually be the second movie, if you follow what I'm saying. So a little bit of a thing there. Uh, nothing to dwell on though, because it, it kind of, other than that, it kind of flows together nicely. Uh, then we go into paranormal activity three from 2011. This one goes all the way back to 1988 in which Katie and Christy are little girls. We meet the mom and the grandma and all that. And, uh, that's pretty cool. And then the first actual sequel to the first paranormal activity, which is paranormal activity four from 2012. So this movie picks up directly after the first one. So if you were to watch these in chronological order, I don't know if I said that right or not, you would actually want to go 3, 2, 1, 4, and then 5 is kind of its own separate thing. I've never seen Ghost Dimension. <laughs> Sorry, I'm good. I got. I have it. I got the the Paranormal Activity box set. I'm gonna. I'm gonna finish these fucking things out. Uh, four actually would pick up right after the events of one, and there's another question mark there because so Katie abducts uh, Christie's son Hunter, 
who was supposed to be a offering, a, like a offering to this demonic entity, and t- kills Christie's family, and then they vanish, or so Canon would have it. And then in four, she kind of reemerges um, across the street from this family in Henderson, Nevada, with uh, a little boy, and you're led to believe that the little boy she has is Hunter. But then there's a twist at the end where you find out it's actually the family next door and their son, Wyatt, who was adopted, and he he is actually Hunter. Which then begs the question, who the fuck is the little boy that Katie is running around with? Did she abduct a second kid to use as some kind of bait and switch thing? Like, hey, here's, I got, give me that little boy, you take this one, we'll call it even. I don't know, I don't know what the thing was. Uh, hopefully that's brought up in Ghost Dimension because I I gotta I gotta get into this before I get into Next of Kin, which is currently streaming on Paramount Plus, and from what I've read, hasn't gotten the best reviews. Regardless, I'm gonna hopefully catch up on that and bring you the whole fucking thing next week with uh, like a Paranormal Activity whip around. So look forward to that. That's all I'm looking at this week, gang. How about a little immersion therapy? Immersion therapy. Edge of the Axe from 1988. I know Tom Hardy saw it. It's cheesy. It's, um, if I didn't know any better, I would swear to Christ that that movie was shot in Lake Tahoe because it looked exactly like it. It wasn't Lake Tahoe. It was Big Bear, but uh, apparently they're very similar. Um, cheesy as shit, man. About as 80s as you can get. Um, I love it when they, try, <laughs> when, they, when they try to bring in, like, the high-speed computer setup from 1988. And he's explaining to her how he can, they can communicate via their com- computers. And it's just blowing her mind. She's like, I just have to open this little thing and I type in the command and then it'll shoot over to your computer. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, whoa, I get it. It is cutting edge stuff in 1988, but it's very, um, nostalgic, I guess. And it's a, it's a cheesy fucking movie. Uh, I think I caught it on Amazon prime. It's fun. I don't think anybody else watched it except for me and Tom Hardy. Check it out. It's not scary. It's, it's very nostalgic. If nothing else, just to see all the, uh, sun-kissed orange soda cans and things like that. You know what I mean? Uh, Your immersion therapy for this week is going to be The Trip from 2021, starring Numi Numi Rapace and Axel Henney. Find this bad guy on Netflix. Uh, Something to do with a road trip gone awry, I would assume. (laughs) One would assume, but you can't be uh, certain. Check that shit out, inmates. We'll do the same and compare notes next week. But now, you must educate me. Educating Miss Monica. First, my clues from last week. 
Uh, I am on the outs with my girlfriend, and I decided to take her to my parents' vacation home in the off-season in a chance of possibly getting on top of her again and maybe patching things up because she is actually pretty hot. Unfortunately, they didn't tell me that they lent the place out to some old colleagues, and here comes a bunch of crud blowing in from the ocean. It's really going to fuck up my plans. I am, of course, Beach House. Streaming on Shudder presently, if anybody uh, hasn't seen it yet, it's a pretty good show. Very Lovecrafty. Um, well, I guess, I guess from listening to what everybody said about it, apparently it could be a little more Lovecrafty, but it's still pretty crafty, Lovecrafty. Um, anytime shit comes out of the ocean, it immediately gets the Lovecraft uh, stamp of approval. So there's that. It's it's uh, it's on Shudder. If you want to check it out, I have the disc. Um, yeah, definitely worth a watch. Who might I be this week, you ask? Good question. Well, I am an attractive young lady, and I am going to be going in to help my dad and my uncle restore this old house, or possibly just, you know, dismantle it and sell the property. I don't know what we're doing exactly, but uh, there's no power to the place, and uh, as soon as we get in there, we immediately get the feeling that we're not alone. And things only get creepier from there. I really hope there's no incriminating evidence of any sexual abuse that may have taken place uh, involving me, my dad, or my uncle, or anybody in, anywhere in this house. I don't know if I'm even here or not. I might still be somewhere else. I might be. I might be. There might be somebody else in the house, or it might be me, and I don't realize what the hell I'm doing. It could be a whole fucking mess, my friends. So think about that. Uh, I will, of course, uh, fill you in on who I am next week. Uh, the mental health hotline, again, is area code 775-387-0275. The email is thepaddedroom2011 at hotmail.com. Hit me with your ideas of who you think I might be. Some of you are probably Googling it as I speak, you sons of bitches. Uh, in the meantime, join me next week for Gutter Balls here on Rape Revenge Month. We're going to the bowling alley next week. <laughs> a silly fucking movie this is. Uh, we do have a Patreon campaign running, of course. Uh, PaddedRoomPodcast.com is where you find that link. Anything you need to know about us, our affiliate programs, our uh, T-Villain link, anything at all, it's all there. PaddedRoomPodcast.com. Thank you very much for joining us again. Joining me, I should say. Uh, like, comment, subscribe, wherever you found this show. That helps my visibility quite a bit. Ours, whatever. Whoever might show up. Buddy might be back next week. I don't know. Anyway, thank you again for that. We'll see you next week with Gutter Balls. In the meantime, for Buddy and Absentia, Monica and Absentia, rapes that occur in, on, or around bowling alleys, seedy, rotten, Gotham City-esque Detroit, which I hope has gotten better since 1994. I don't know if it has or not. Uh, the late Brandon Lee uh, cursed movie sets if that's a thing I don't know if that's actually a thing sometimes it seems like it dude and that kind of creeps me out because that's a whole other that's like taking art to a whole other level and the Padded Room Podcast I'm afraid visiting hours are over